the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, everybody. Dennis and Julie. Dennis Prager and Julie Hartman. What number is this, by the way? Do you I know? was wondering. I think it's 88. The speed of time. We were just commenting on that right before. 88 is correct. The iron, no, no, irony is the wrong word. The interesting aspect of today is that we could speak for four hours. We would need perhaps a bathroom break. And then we would do another four hours. That is how much is on my mind. And you have a lot of stuff on your mind. Right. So I, I, as everyone knows, this Dennis and Julie podcast is not news driven. We, we, we may make reference to something happening, but it's a free for all thought life us extravaganza extravaganza that's a good term but i i i have to say that the events in israel have been consuming and i don't let myself get consumed i'm very even tempered as you well know i've worked on it all of my life and i i remain even tempered now but i I am watching evil of of such magnitude and vast numbers of people who support that evil. That's the that is more depressing. Right. Mm-hmm. See, there were there were no pro Nazi demonstrations in the United States in, in, around the world, world around the world yeah. during yeah exactly or, or even in the thirties. Mm-hmm. There were Nazis, but there's a, t- a tiny element, and they were regarded by mainstream people as as morally defective human beings. But here, the an announcement that a nation should be destroyed, and you have this mass support for that idea. There was a. Uh, interesting there was uh not a tavern i'm thinking in british terms using tavern which by the way we should acknowledge that we were both in london uh, yes and we will we yes, will we get to that hopefully that. yes but there there was a was it a uh a diner or or some some sort of restaurant in the new york area i believe it was and the owner put out pictures of Israeli kids who had been kidnapped. And his entire staff quit. 
Did you see this story? I did not, no. His entire staff quit, and a certain number of his patrons would not return. And word got out, and now he's doing better business than ever because so many people are now frequenting his restaurant. Mm -hmm. But what what does that mean? I mean, what was his staff composed of? That putting pictures of kidnapped Israeli kids is morally objectionable that you quit your job. Well, we saw that at NYU. I believe it was NYU. It could have been Columbia. But uh, there was a university where students on their windows put up faces of the hostages, and they were torn down. And there was a video that I saw the other day where a member of the U.S. women's national soccer team was driving in Los Angeles past a pro-Israel protest. She rolled down her window and and raised her hand in the Howell Hitler. She was on the team. She's not. Oh, she's not now. Yeah, no, right. I thought she was now. It's really terrifying to, to, to see these people coming out of the woodwork, and they are so unashamed of their anti-Semitism. It means there's not that much stigma. Right. Well, Vivek Ramaswamy, the other night in the third presidential debate, which, by the way, shout out to our company, Salem Media Group, for co-hosting, co-moderating that debate. He, and just to give another aside about Vivek, his opening line where he came, did you see this, where he came after um, the, Ronna Mc, McDaniel, and NBC for peddling the Russia collusion hoax. I was watching that, like cheering him on. Mm-hmm. That was the best line ever in debate history. Putting that aside, he had a really, I thought, great line too about anti-Semitism where he said that it reflects a greater rot in the society. That's you, exactly right. You say, you say it with the um, canary in the mine. Right. That, that... There are noxious fumes. Yes, and so it shows the moral degradation of the United States of America in general and how amazing, by the way, because we're supposedly so woke and we're so race conscious and we're so, uh, you know, uh, people who are oppressed conscious. And yet the fact that we're seeing this across the board in businesses, universities, individual people who are unashamed to come out with their anti-Semitism, I, I hope people are finally seeing the light. That this is a morally confused and morally corrupt culture that we're in. So I wrote an article. I looked it up. I didn't remember. 2015. So that would be eight years ago. Oh, was it? Is this the Pakistan No, one? That, that, that's oh. another one. And that, that's totally worthy of noting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrote a piece. Let me see if I could see it right now. And it was, it was titled... God, it was. It's really. I want people to read it because I want. I would actually like to read excerpts for a moment <clears throat> on this issue. Let's see if I if I can here. Well, uh, well, I I didn't think I would be reading from it, so I didn't prepare it, and I don't want to waste people's time. But it was an article about. Remember when there was a huge. Influx of Muslims from the Middle East mm-hmm. to Europe and the United yep. States. Mm-hmm. So it was 2015, and I wrote, My heart breaks for a lot of these people. Syrians were being slaughtered en masse, and Iraqis, and ISIS, and Syria. And I wrote, Look, uh, they're going to bring into Europe 
and it was really about Europe. They're going to, going to bring into Europe not everyone, obviously, but a lot of them will bring anti-Western values with them. Mm-hmm. People, people don't come naked. Mm-hmm. They, they wear their values, that, mm-hmm. which is inevitable. If I moved somewhere, I would bring my values with me. And it, it, it was so unpopular to say that. So the, the left attacked you as xenophobic and Islamophobic. The liberals attacked you as not compassionate. Right. But I was right. The, a, a lot of these demonstrations to destroy Israel, which is what from the river to the sea, Palestine, Palestine will be free. Well, that's what it means. Mm-hmm. It means no Israel. Okay, look, look, it would be like saying from the Atlantic to the Pacific, the United States will be free. No United States. Something else will be there. And uh, it's it's no it's a, since I oh I so I'm oh, I'm open in general and I'm doubly open with you, which is part of the appeal of Dennis and Julie. So I, I you know you do this to you and I do this to me. I I ask myself how do I feel? I know it's an odd thing. I don't mean how do I feel obviously physically, but what am I? What am I thinking and sensing? So if you're vindicated when you were really unpopular for saying something and you're vindicated, do you feel, well, vindicated? And and the truth is, I wish I were wrong. Right. Of course it's vindicated. Mm. I mean, well, this is unprecedented in the United... The United States was... So pro-Israel, it was the first country under Harry Truman to recognize uh, Israel, and th- this this country, uh, the there was such a, a pride in Israel. This little the Jews are returning home, and and look at what they're making out of basically a desert and a swamp. Tel Aviv was a swamp. Mm-hmm. It's now one of the, the the most technologically advanced, culturally advanced cities on earth. Right. In 75 years. In 75 years. While fighting all these wars to survive. I know. And after having just gone through the Holocaust. Yes. So why why all of a sudden this change? Well, there are now 8 million Muslims in the United States. Not every Muslim wants Israel destroyed, but I would say half do. I, sorry, go on. No, no, no. America is changing. Europe is changing. See, I think, well, the influx of Muslims in Europe, I think, is having a far greater impact on the culture than the than the influx of Muslims to the United States. There are far more. I mean, just geographically, it, it makes more sense. I, I, I was giving a speech at the Santa Monica Women's Republican Club recently, and someone, or uh, this was actually a few months ago. I have no... Do you ever do that where you go recently and then you realize it actually wasn't recently at all? Um, it was it was a couple of months ago. It was before this this Israel thing. And someone raised her hand and it wasn't really a question. It was just more of a comment in the Q&A where she said, I think that Islam is having a lot to do with the moral confusion in the United States. And I said to her, respectfully, ma'am, I disagree with you. I would love to think that there was like an outside virus of thought 
And I'm not mm. saying all of Islam is bad. You know, I, you, ha- you have to go through 80 million, trillion, bazillion right. disclaimers and qualifiers. And let's take me in good faith with what I'm about to say, okay? I wish there were an outside religion or, or you know, ideology. ideology that was infecting this. This is homegrown. That's right. This is homegrown American, overwhelmingly white liberal cultural rot. And so I'd love to point the finger at other people. And there are contributing factors. I mean, obviously, the co- communism as, a, as an ideology has come in and infected the United States. There are parts of radical Islam. I mean, I, I acknowledge all of that. But this is privileged, overwhelmingly white Americans, as Ben Shapiro would say, kicking themselves in the nuts and kicking their country in the nuts over and over and over. Uh, Ami Horowitz did a video, went to Columbia University. Mm-hmm. Where I'll be speaking, by the way, uh, in a couple of weeks. It'll be very interesting. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That will be really interesting. Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree be with safe. you more. Be safe. You don't I, – I love you, but sometimes you don't You don't think about that, the safety uh, issue. Correct. You I, you I need to hire uh-huh. security. I, I'm Actually, I'm going to get on you about that because seeing these – I mean, the man in, in L.A. that was knocked down mm-hmm. and killed, Paul Kessler, you have to be careful, especially you. Sorry. Go on. So he attended, there were thousands at Columbia. I, I can't believe they were all students, but I think they were because you couldn't get in if, unless you were press or a student. I asked them that. So they were all students. Oh. Vast number, like well over a thousand. And the, 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 the Holocaust-like chant of from the river to the sea and, and, just horrible slogans of destruction and and nihilism. And so I asked him, I had no idea what he would say. I said, I'm curious, how many appeared to you to be from the Middle East and how many appeared to be white Americans? Can I guess? Yeah. 50-50. That's correct. Really, is it? Well done. That's what he said. Yeah. That Which makes your point. Yes. It's... It's. I would say it's mostly white liberals. It, <laughs> or at least fifty percent. When white I liberals. when I was, I am literally within three months of Israel's birth. I was born. I am as old as Israel. When I was thirteen, the most popular magazine in America was called Life Magazine. You may have heard of it, and I so vividly recall this. So the cover was Israel's bar mitzvah. And I remember thinking, oh, and my bar mitzvah. I'm having a bar mitzvah. Israel's having a bar mitzvah. The sentiment in America was so overwhelmingly, thank God the Jews returned to their land. Thank God that you you have a country with these values set up there. So what happened? What you're saying, what the left has done, the, the left has perverted the conscience of a generation. It is it has destroyed it. If you can't see the difference between Israel and uh, their enemies, whoever those enemies might be, Palestinians, Syrians, uh, Hezbollah, Hamas, ISIS, if you can't see it, you, your conscience has been nullified. It, it's frozen. America is at a tipping point. 
Hi, Julie Hartman here to tell you about a new movie, Dinesh D'Souza's Police State. It exposes the government's persecution of the conservative MAGA movement. The America that we know and love is becoming more and more like a police state every day. The FBI has turned its eyes away from the real dangers in the world to target what they call domestic terrorists, treating conservative religious Americans like they're criminals. They're targeting their political opponents, using mass surveillance and censorship, indoctrinating children, and threatening families with military-style raids on their homes. This is threatening people like you and me, who speak our minds and stand up for freedom of speech and freedom of religion. Directed by Dinesh D'Souza, Debbie D'Souza, and Bruce Schooley, Police State sounds the alarm. How did we get here? And how do we turn the tide of this tyrannical government's agenda? Please see Police State. Buy it or stream it now at policestatefilm.net. That's policestatefilm.net. If you can't see it, your conscience has been nullified. It's frozen. Mm. No, it, it, it is so true. We are not... I did a show on Timeless recently where I said... I argued that the biggest divide in the United States isn't between Democrat or Republican, liberal or conservative. It is those who affirm civilizational and and anti-civilizational values. I should switch it because I was saying Democrat first, Republican second, liberal first, conservative second. So I should have said anti-civilizational to make it consistent versus civilizational. But you take my point. You know, when people talk to me, in, in my own life, you know, my parents' friends or people who I went to school with, and they ask me why I'm conservative. I used to have this answer about, and it's true, wanting to conserve the principles of the American founding and wanting small government. I kind of used to, used to give that spiel. But now, especially in the wake of October 7th, my response is, as proud as I am to say that I'm a conservative, a lot of my beliefs are not really conservative. They're just defending reality and defending what is objectively good. Right, but that has turned out to be conservative. I, I agree with you. It has it, turned it out to sh- be conservative. It should be liberal as well. It should be, exactly. But 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 I just want to point out to you, and, and we we see this recently with, you know, in, in Ohio, they just codified abortion into the Constitution. The country is so left-wing, and they have this idea of Republicans as these bigots or these, you know, like— antiquated people from the past. I actually think most of the platform of the Republican Party, most Republicans I know, again, it's not particularly conservative. And I'm saying that, to to repeat, I'm very proud to be conservative. But saying that there are only two genders, saying that we need border control, saying that we need police, saying that Israel was terrorized by terrorists, that's not conservative. To your point, that's not liberal. That's just reality. That is just objective goodness. And I wish to God more people saw that. But what I will say is that I think we're starting to see the mask come off. And I'm not so convinced that there's going to be a turn in how people vote. I don't know. But I think now it it will be a lot harder for people to defend wokeism. Because for the wokeism, what started about 10 years ago, obviously the seeds were planted before that. But really this whole like gender, police, race craze, that that really gained momentum about 10 years ago. And it was in vogue for a while to, you know, argue these things. But I think now there are just 
there there are just so many bad things that have happened, the Black Lives Matter riots being one of them and this Israel thing being another, where the, the mask is off. You can no longer claim that you care about oppressed people and you stand with those who are the victims of violence if you support Hamas. Do you see what I'm saying where it's it's just Well, you, your point the mask has come off. It's off. So th- this has been a I'm following this obviously avidly. And the New York Times, the Washington Post and LA Times had front page articles that Jewish progressives feel profoundly lonely now because all of these progressives have come out to be haters, people who favor the destruction of the the only state in the world that they favor the destruction of is a Jewish state the size of New Jersey. In other words, they're they're learning that at least on this, the left is scum, which I've said all of I my no life. I have sympathy for Jewish progressives. Oh, I'm sorry, oh, I don't I, have any sympathy I, I, for I, them. I, I, that was my article. People should read my column. It, it, it's 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 up at DennisPrager.com and at American Greatness and in Town Hall and and. Uh, the Jewish press and, and uh, the Daily Wire. I mean, I'm hap- happily my column gets around, and, and and I was never so happy as this this particular column. Jews are shocked, just shocked, that uh, the progressive world is okay with Israel's destruction. Mm-hmm. So uh, see, so as I said, so wait a minute. So all these years that they said uh, that America systemically racist, That's that was okay. That's exactly what I argued timeless two weeks ago. I did a show on this called The Pro-Israel Left. I have, I have no sympathy for them. I'm sorry. I, I'm sad for that. I, I, I'm sad that, that, that this is happening. I, I have sympathy for Jews in general. It's okay Jewish to give kids a, a, a gender-affirming yep. care yep. when they're 11. I said on my show two weeks ago, I said, every single time that you acquiesced to an absurd demand by a college student, Every time that you gave a mealy-mouthed excuse for a woke temper tantrum, you laid a brick. Oh, and and I added, and and every time you allowed a a lie to be spread about America, moral confusion to be spread about race, gender, immigration, etc., you laid a brick in the now massive edifice of extremism and entitlement that you are so lamenting. You did this, progressive Jews and non-Jews, but frankly, I'm sorry, a lot of progressive Jews. Well, I am, yeah, I am all the progressives. I have very little sympathy but, yes, right now for uh, progressive uh, Jews. No, 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 I, uh, I'm totally on board with you. The, the, Do you the, know, I got a call from a, a listener uh, just today on the show. Uh, a longtime listener. She lives in Idaho. She's vacationing in in Costa Rica, Costa Rica, and in, in Central America. So she said, "So our waitress was very beautiful, and we started to talk, and I." Uh, detected a slight accent and I said where are you from and she was hesitant very hesitant to say that she's Jewish from from Israel oh from Israel yeah well hmm. what what other group on earth is now hesitant to say where they're from I'll give you an example I was on the tube in London I could give you two stories about about the tube that are relevant to this but one of them so Dennis and I recently went to London where we were at the ARC conference, which is a conference that was um, founded and 
planned by Jordan Peterson and Baroness Philippa Stroud and all these great people. And anyway, I'm just saying that to give context for for why I was on the tube in London recently, going from the the conference to a dinner. And the two it was rush hour and the tube was packed. And I was walking with someone from the conference to the tube station. We got on the tube and he is I'm going to butcher this, but he's head of some European coalition for Israel. And we were on the tube and we were talking about it. And he asked me, are you Jewish? And we were like packed in there like sardines. And when he asked me this, all of these heads turned. Really? All of these heads turned. Yes. And I felt, even though I'm not Jewish, I had this moment where I went, I would be so afraid to say yes right now if I were. I, I, and I said to him, and I said, we should not be talking about your work with Israel on this tube. It's just not worth it. Not now. But all these heads turned. Was it people who looked like they were from the Middle East? Um, no, they were, it was, it was a hodgepodge. There were some black people, white people. There were some people who looked like they were from the Middle East, but mostly it was white people, but I think they were turning to. Is he Jewish? He is Jewish. Yes. Yeah. And there was a, I, well, I hesitate to tell this story, but when you hesitate on D&J, you, you go ahead and do it. Consequences be damned. But I told you and Sue this. The next day I was on the tube and there was a Muslim man who got on and he had a briefcase and he put the briefcase down two seats from where he was sitting and he was playing um, Islamic music on his phone and it was weird. He was sitting and he put up the number one on his knee. I don't know what that's about. I don't know if it's like a prayer signal. I don't know. But every five seconds he was going, Alu Akbar. Alu Akbar. And I was terrified. I was terrified. And I was getting off at the next station. That was my station to get off. But even if I wasn't, I was. Even if that wasn't my station, I was going to get off. And I know people hearing this, I'm sure I'm going to be called an Islamophobe. And I'm sure that, you know, they're going to be like, oh, I have so much empathy for the white girl who was afraid on the tube. But we're in a different world now. We're we're in a really scary world. And that was the day after there were 100,000 people in London protesting pro-Palestine. There were swastika. I mean, and I, I, was, I was truly afraid. And I'm not afraid to admit that I was afraid. Doesn't mean I'm afraid of all Muslims. You know, my best friend in the entire world, in the entire world, is a, is a devout Muslim man. But when a guy gets on the tube and he's saying Alu Akbar in this world that we're living in, it really shook me. And it was interesting because everyone else well, on the and tube. They don't blame was, the fe- their fellow Muslims, the people who shout Allahu Akbar as, as they torture people. Yes, yes. And there were other people on the tube who were looking and they were scared. Of course. And it, you would think. Can you imagine, this is to show you what the left has done to the conscience. This is truly one of the infinite, almost infinite number of examples. Imagine if Christians engaged in the atrocities that Muslims engage in. Imagine beheading non-Christians and screaming, Christ is king, while doing it. I and and I did I did have this kind of I guess maybe the the woke people have gotten to me. I did have this kind of like am I racist like thought process as this guy was sitting and ch- whispering Alu Akbar 
with the briefcase and I'm like, am I just, you know, (laughs) do I suck? Like, is there something wrong with me? But no, this is the world that we're in now. And it is really scary. And, and I, I think by not acknowledging the radical parts of Islam and that there are many people, not, not all Muslims by any means, but many people who are out to do harm by not acknowledging that we're allowing it to happen and we're standing silent in in the face of it. And I, I'm not afraid to acknowledge it. I'm scared. I'm, I'm very scared of, I'm scared that something's going to happen. I'm afraid that there's going to be a terrorist attack or in, you know, I mean, Hamas is, has said that, that, um, Remember there was that like global day of jihad that was supposed to happen on Friday, October mm-hmm. 13th, and Hezbollah leaders and Hamas leaders have had these like cryptic statements about that we're just getting started. And there's, and so, yes, when I was on the tube and there was a Muslim guy who was whispering Alu Akbar with a briefcase, given that and given the anti-Jew exp- hatred and given the guy that was just killed on the street the other day, yeah, I was afraid. I really well, want to go to Israel. I, I, how do you, just sorry to you know, interrupt you, how do you react to my being afraid on the tube? It's a rational response. I, I mean, you know, it, does the fear become depressive and paralyzing that, that you shouldn't allow it to? But is it a rational thing? Of course it is. We've had an open border since Joe Biden was elected president, and even before that to a certain extent, but certainly fully so. Mm-hmm. Is it, are, are there no people from the Middle East coming in? I'll give you another example, and this is, was part of my fear on the tube. There was that ISIS attack in Brussels. Remember that about two weeks ago that, that killed two people? Anyway, just wanted to, to throw that out there. So many people are fearful of acknowledging their fear. And what I hope to do in telling you this tube story is to say, as you say. No, if you have it's fear, rational then, to then have you fear. are called Islamophobic. I know. You, there's no reason at all that anybody would fear any Muslim. But you know what was fascinating? You, you might as well fear Jews and Christians and Mormons. I mean, right. the, the terror coming from the Mormon community is just overwhelming. Right. And you know what was fascinating? Because I looked and everyone else on the tube looked afraid. Yeah, of course, but you can't admit it. Cause, I know, and that was but the But that's the left's doing. That's, I know, and so that's why it's I'm admitting it. The collusion of the left and the fundamentalist is, Islamist is soul-crushing, is civilization-crushing. You know, Bill Maher, I got to tell you, I got to say, I think he did this because I know I didn't come up with this idea, but I've been citing it regularly. It's It's brilliant. And I, I always try to, as you know, give credit to any source. And if it's Bill Maher, it's Bill Maher. Israel is accused constantly of being an outpost of Western civilization in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. And everybody assumes, yeah, well, that, that's a real problem. And, and he made the point, and I'm not quoting him directly, but he made the point, wouldn't we want Western outposts everywhere? Right. Isn't Western civilization better? Well, uh, really, I mean, th- nobody thinks that. That was a no, brilliant point. 
I know. I mean, this was the point of the ARC conference that we were at, which is to say we should be proud to be members of Western civilization. And frankly, there are a lot of ways in which Western civilizational values are superior to other civilizational values. I mean, even just that one sentence is like seen as, you know, what's the white supremacist and had no that the, but it has nothing to is, do with white it has nothing to do with white stalin that's, was white he hated the west and the whole hitler po- was white he hated the west and that's the whole point about western civilization the, the whole point is that the values transcend race or religion they're universal values which have allowed western civilization to be the most diverse civilization I want to tell you about a book that Dennis says has been one of the most influential books of his life, and it has been re-released, George Gilder's Men and Marriage. I interviewed George Gilder on my show. He's been clear about the stakes for the family since 1974. Fifty years later, the need of the hour remains. Men that take responsibility for themselves, men that love their wives, men that raise their own children. Men who tackle the workforce, motivated by their family and the needs of others. Without fathers, our civilization will sink back into the Stone Age. We must bring dads back or else. Get your copy of George Gilder's classic book, Men in Marriage, today at dadsareback.com. If Dennis recommends it, it's got to be a great read. Civilization needs strong men. Without them, we're toast. Get George's book at dadsareback.com. And that's the whole point about Western civilization. The the whole point is that the values transcend race or religion. They're universal values, which have allowed Western civilization to be the most diverse civilization. Korea is Western. Syria is not. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. It's a very good example. Yeah, it certainly is. South Korea. Yeah, well, that's true. Just to be precise. Well, Kamala Harris uh, recently said the United States stands with North Korea. <laughs> she meant South Korea. Oi! Oh, Kamala Harris. It'll be, God forbid, there should be a terror attack. But if there is one, it'll be very interesting to see what the left's reaction is. Mm. I know. I I think the- will it harm. President Biden will it harm the Democrats? Oh you no, know, I don't even. I, I, wasn't mean, I didn't mean it that way. It, it, no, I'm. In other words, will they say, "Oh, uh, don't don't blame Muslims"? If it was clear it was Muslims who did it, okay. Mm-hmm. Will they go into their immediate defense? Well, look, given what Israel is doing in Gaza. There's going to bound to be an eruption because America supports Israel. Right. Will the left say that? Yes, they will. My question was, will there be any blowback on the Democratic Party because of their stances on immigration and because of their the moral confusion, the anti-Israel sentiment that they've been allowed to, to spread? But no, I don't think there will be. It, I think would, to it point, would appear that there is almost no position the Democratic Party could take leftward that would have them lose a substantial number of votes they're protected by a whole host of things including as the recent off-year elections showed abortion yes oh gosh could this be a many dennis and julie's 
the, the issue of abortion. Go on, and then I'll give you no, my thoughts. Uh, no, go give me your thoughts. I just, okay, this is coming, I've said this a million times on this show. I get very conflicted about the issue of abortion. I'm not a pro-absolutist, and I'm not a pro-choice absolutist. I would, I think you I... You mean t- pro-life, you didn't say pro-life. You, you're not a, you said, I'm not a pro-absolutist, oh, and I'm not a pro, sorry. pro-choice. Yeah. I'm not a pro-life absolutist, right. and I'm right. not a pro-choice absolutist. I would say that I lean pro-life. I, I definitely believe in having restrictions at a very early stage, but I don't know if I would outlaw it entirely. Put, putting that aside, I just wanted to make it clear that I'm speaking about this subject as someone who's on the fence. It is amazing how much this issue has come to characterize, or come to inhabit such a large space in people's minds. I'm not saying that it's not an important issue, but... I mean, it's my not the God. only issue. Well, also, it's certainly not the only issue. And if I had to rank the issues that we are facing in this country, the top 10, abortion would not be in the top 10. Oh, I would put it in the top 10, but it isn't number would you? one. Yeah. Why? It, be, because it says something about a civilization that it it's elite. Consider the human fetus to be worthless. I see. Th- okay. That, All that, right, that's fair. Yeah. I understand. What you, but you're, you would rank it as... You would rank it as an issue because... What is, people, because of what it says about because, the society. Yes, because of what, if, what it says yes. about the society. But if we just take that away, the issue of women having the right to abort a child, to me, doesn't rank that high on the list of, of issues right now. It doesn't. Okay. That, it, I, I, right. You, you, you lean pro-life. Yes. Well, you, it is not possible to be rational... Forget God, forget religion. It is not possible to be rational and not lean pro-life. Right. You are going to right. tell me that the human fetus is a pimple? That is the position of the, yes, of the, it in, is. Of the entire left, of most liberals. I, I debated a guy many, many years ago, a liberal guy, and I, I pushed and pushed. And finally he said, you're right, I admit it. The human fetus is a pimple. And that ended it. You know what? At least he admitted it. Yes. At least he came out and said what he thinks. But again, I'm not saying that it's not a an, no, an I, issue. No, I, I understand. But my gosh, I mean, people will vote. There, there are these well, polls. Well, it's actually more important to the left even than to the right. Nobody listening who is pro-life is going to dismiss you because you don't think it's in the top 10 issues. Uh, uh, Yes. I have said on your show, uh, on Dennis and Julie and guest hosting your radio show so many times that I'm conflicted about the issue of abortion. Hell, when I started out with you, I said I'm pro-choice on the air. That's back when, you know, I was sort of less evolved on this issue. I I never got so much as an email of someone you know harassing me about it shows you the amount of nuance that is allowed on the right as opposed to the left but putting that aside for a moment it's amazing to the point i'm trying to make is that we have voters who will vote democrat solely because of the issue of abortion i know such people there is nothing the democrats could do because they're protected by abortion 
Yes. And I, I know people who I went to college with who say, Julie, I agree with you. The Democratic Party's gotten too insane about about crime. The, the immigration thing is a real issue. The woke stuff is a real issue. But I it is medieval. That's what they say to me. It is medieval to deny a woman the right to have an abortion. And I will always vote Democrat because of that. That is what I'm trying to say with we had to rank the top 10 issues. You're voting for the Democrats because of abortion. It would be very interesting. Forgive me. Go ahead. No, no, no. It's okay. It would be very interesting for me to ask, and I will. Uh, I'll, I'll do it in print in, in Jewish uh, in, in Jewish media. So I would like to ask Jewish Democrats. Mm-hmm. Let's say the Democratic Party continues its evolution to alienation from Israel, mm-hmm. even anti-Israel. Mm-hmm. So would you more readily vote for a pro-life, pro-Israel Republican or a pro-choice, anti-Israel Democrat. That's one of your classic either either or. Yeah. What do you think the answer would be? Oh, gosh, it's very interesting. I think now, after October 7th, I think more people would vote for the pro-life, pro-Israel candidate. But I think there would be a large contingent of progressive Jews who would probably vote for the pro-choice. Well, the fact is, one. even if it took a moment thought, I know. I it know. would show you how the stranglehold the abortion issue has uh, on uh, on people on the left. But I, but again, to, to hammer this point home, to the people who say that I will always vote Democrat, no matter how rancid the Democratic Party gets otherwise because of the issue of abortion— that is what I mean with the, abortion is not a top 10 issue, okay? this These are the uncomfortable facts to acknowledge about abortion. Of course, if a woman is raped or in the case of, you know, incestual predatory family members who impregnate a woman, of course it is not their choice to get pregnant, okay? I... They, they, I think they should have a right to have an abortion. They're in a different category. And everyone brings up the people in those categories like they characterize the whole thing. Okay? I acknowledge there's that category, but it's a teensy tiny cohort of people, to use our favorite word. Here's the uncomfortable fact. You have a lot of choices. Talk about pro-choice that you make up until the point of having sex and Bravo getting pregnant. Bravo to you. Very okay? few people point that no, out. No, but it's, it's, it's so – it's like, come right. on. Right. Be an adult. You don't have to have sex. There's a lot also to acknowledge really uncomfortable things. If you're feeling the urge to be intimate with a partner, there are a hell of a lot of things that you can do to scratch that itch besides penetration. Again, sorry, you have a choice whether to to use contraception, to be on birth control. You even have a choice if you, you, you know, again, to really get into details. Let's say your condom breaks. And you go, oh gosh, maybe, maybe you know, there's a chance I might be pregnant. You can take Plan B. There's a there's a morning after pill. I mean, there's a lot of things up until that point that you can do preventative measures that you can take to ensure that you don't get pregnant. But we don't acknowledge that. We just think like, oh, people should be able to have reckless, you know, superfluous sex with no consequences. No, life, you have responsibility and you have consequences. And so when people talk about this abortion debate, I wish they would acknowledge that. And for that reason, it is not the most pressing issue in the United States. People talk about like getting pregnant as if like it just ran, like it's like catching a cold, you know, or it's like getting hit by a car. You, You just can't help it. If you're raped, again, that's a different story. But getting pregnant is not just like an accidental thing that, you know, 
can, just happens to you most of the time. You have choices. So, uh, and let me comment on the rape thing, uh, mm-hmm. on the rape issue. I, I happen to agree that the pro-life people need to compromise on that. Or, or, on the or rape we, thing? Or, yeah. yeah. Or, yeah. or, or we, we won't win right. the country. Right. Okay? And if you want to be pure, you lose. In the real world, to do good means getting your hands dirty. It's like the, yes. it's like a, if you're a pacifist, you you live in this purity world. Oh, it's wrong to kill. Well, it's not always wrong to kill, and and there are compromises made on right. the ideal of never killing in order to do what is justified. Mm-hmm. The best is the enemy of the better, and we are going to lose. Uh, you want how's this? If you want more 11-year-olds to get hormone blockers, if you want more right. girls to get mastectomies, then vote Democrat. That's the party for, for uh, mastectomies on, yes. on, on women and girls who don't need it for, for medical reasons. And, and so the, there's such a litany of, of evil and bad and awful things that, that come with the left. Yes. That you will give up just to be pure on abortion. It's a great point. And as you write in your Torah commentary, and as we've discussed before, you know, look at who we had to partner with in World War II to defeat the Nazis, the Soviet Union. Life is about making concessions about, you know, to, to facilitate the, the best possible outcome. And so I agree with you that, that, and by the way, I have a lot of respect as someone who may not necessarily agree, but I have a lot of respect for pro-lifers who say that a child of rape is just as precious. It's true. It is true. It's It's a fact. It's objectively true. And so I have a lot of respect for that position, but I agree with you that we have to compromise. But, But I am sick to death of this narrative that every single person who gets pregnant and every single woman who's seeking an abortion just accidentally out of nowhere got pregnant and they're in this situation. It's like, okay, no, we have to, we have to stop that narrative. In some cases it is true. I acknowledge that. But in most cases, Cases, you made a lot of decisions that resulted in this consequence and you bear responsibility for your decisions and so so again the fact that we're now in this place where people are so one-sided about abortion one-sighted not one-sided it sounded like i said sided one-sighted about abortion and they will only vote on that issue amidst the debt immigration the crime israel our national security in general, hormone blockers, you know, the state of American public schools. Those are really morally confused people. Even if they're right about abortion, let's say they're totally right Mm -hmm. and the Republican Party is wrong. Mm -hmm. Still, if that is the one issue the Democrats are right about, that is not enough of a reason to vote for the Democrats. You said earlier that uh, something to the effect, you know, I don't know if I'm conservative. I mean, you do know, but... Oh, but, I, I do but, definitely yeah. know. <laughs> yes, but but your point is well taken. It, it's just logic. It's just reason. So I don't know. You tell me if I've told this story on Dennis and Julie. I, I know I've told it, but not often. So I even remember the airport, which is amazing because I live at airports. Common sense. You've told it. Yes. All right, so in a nutshell, I meet this guy... Young man, about 35 years old. Oh, I love your work. So, and he has a slight accent. I go, Where are you from? He goes, Norway. 
He goes, Norway? Are there conservatives in Norway? And he goes, I don't know if I'm conservative. I just follow what's logical. Yep. And that's right. That if you follow what's logical, if you follow reason, here's that's the irony. Mm-hmm. Reason doesn't suggest that the human fetus is not human. That, 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 that's a, it's a perfect example. I, while it's true that the vast majority of people who are pro-life are religious, it is one of the handful of instances where I believe pure reason without God argues for that being, yes. being human. Yes, yes. It, it's only human when it is, it, depending on its geography, isn't that bizarre? Yes. Oh, I'll I'll give you a great example again from Vivek Ramaswamy, and he was citing Clarence Thomas, who was citing a case apparently where there was a pregnant woman walking down the street who was assaulted. She survived. The baby didn't. And Vivek said at the debate, again citing Clarence Thomas, would any American think that that perpetrator doesn't deserve to be charged with a homicide? No. I think, right. I mean, the, the inconsistency I mean, is mind-blowing. It is mind-blowing. The and, pro-choice movement is overwhelmingly narcissism. Oh, my God. I said this on Timeless, too. I said it's the cult of self. Yes. This, well, all of these issues are the cult of self. Yes. The, 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 the pronoun issue. Good. Yes. So, so many of these. It's me, 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 me. You have to call me by my pronouns. I have the right to, you know have an abortion even if i participated in extramarital sex i you know uh, l- just a litany of issues non-marital you mean no did i say you did said extramarital extramarital that's yeah. adultery yeah oh i see okay there are many reasons to buy gold and silver bank failures digital currency volatility emerging market countries trying to topple the dollar as a global reserve currency this is Julie Hartman for AmFed Coin and Bullion, Dennis's choice for buying precious metals. If you ask AmFed owner Nick Grovich to simplify the case for precious metals, he'll tell you that when President Roosevelt recalled the gold in circulation and paid people with paper money, they received a $20 bill for a $20 gold piece. Today, that $20 bill won't even fill half of your gas tank. But the gold piece is worth about $2,000. Which would you rather own? Now, let's simplify the reasons to use Amped Coin and Bullion. Nick's been in the industry for over 42 years, and he's proud of providing transparency and fair pricing to build trusted relationships. If you're interested in buying or selling, call Nick and his team at Amped Coin and Bullion. 1-800-221-7694, AmericanFederal.com, AmericanFederal.com. I thought extramarital just means outside of marriage. No, no. That it, extramarital means you're married and you have it outside uh, of your marriage. Uh, oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. All right. But yes, there's there's a there's a narcissism of Right. Everyone Don't bug me. It triggers. Triggers are a narcissism. Oh, totally. I have the right not to be offended. I mean Yes. Yeah. Student loan forgiveness, another example I gave. I, That's I don't have good. responsibility That's to pay good. my loans. I wanna make a list of yes. the, the I've since I was your age, I knew leftism was a euphemism for narcissism. I saw it because I saw it in my stu- the left-wing students at Columbia. They were so self-centered. So self-righteous, uh, I, too. I, yes. self-righteous. I, I grew up in a religious world where the whole thing was, are you Dennis Good? Are you doing what is right? 
Are you fulfilling your obligations? It was the... Do you know, I point out to people, I know biblical Hebrew rather well, as you know, Mm -hmm. there is no biblical Hebrew word for rights. Really? Only obligations. Mm. Yes, people talk about like, well, and and by the way, I think that people should have health care. I'm pro-health care, but people talk about a right to health care. We don't have a right to to health care. Well, Constitutionally, it's, we it's don't endless. have a right well, to Well, not only it, constitutionally, where does it end? Yes. If the government should should pay for my health care, why shouldn't it pay for my food? Yes. And these are complicated subjects, but but people talk about rights like I have the right to have a Hershey bar every morning. No, so, there are some things that you don't have a right to. It would be great if you get it. You may deserve to get it, but that's different than have, from having a right to it. Like there, someone was giving a speech in North Dakota. She was like the first lesbian, like attorney general or something, maybe not attorney general, but some politician in North Carolina. And she was giving a speech on Pride Day. And she said, every American has the right to feel seen and represented in their, you know, own country. Every American has the right to be. A right. What does Just it be even mean? seen Wait. and represented. So what does that what? mean? If my politician looks like me, is yes, that that, like, that argument? Yes. The and she said to feel this comfortable. This is a good example of the intellectual shallowness of the left. I can't think of a more shallow argument than your elected officials should look like you. I know. It doesn't. Why it doesn't... do I give a damn? Yes. I all I want is my elected officials. To do right by me. Yes. To do well by me. Or, or even think like me. Right. I, I admit that. Look like me. I know. But there was something... But they don't even mean it. Forgive me. No. They don't even mean it. Because if, if, if this is a white liberal talking, or a, a white liberal, a white leftist, do they want, do they want to look like a white conservative? <laughs> no, it, it's, it's, a good point. it's palpably a lie. Does a black leftist feel represented by Clarence Thomas? They look like Clarence Thomas, but they're completely alienated. So this notion, it's, a, it's just a gigantic nonsense. Uh, it's a nothing burger, if you will. Well, what you are highlighting, and frankly what we've been highlighting this whole episode, is that the left is fundamentally inconsistent because leftism is not based on principles. Now, it's possible to have certain principles and then have some of your viewpoints or policy outcomes to to come out a bit contradictory or inconsistently. I acknowledge that. But the left doesn't have principles, and that means that every single one of their diktats is inconsistent. For instance, this whole idea of representation, you just exposed it. I mean, they talk about the importance of representation, but then when they do have someone like Clarence Thomas or Tim Scott, a black conservative, a minority conservative, they throw that. That's not that. That doesn't count. They don't want to look like their leader. Then, then the whole like importance of representation fades. I could give a million examples. How about the whole people on the left support, protect, defend women, but they also say that there's no such thing as a woman. Or, or, and, and certainly not women's sports. Right. Well, they say that they are anti-white supremacy, they're anti-Nazi, but then they're pro-Hamas. How does that make sense? They say America is systemically racist, but that non-white immigrant should come here. Let me ask a Julie question. Yeah? A question of Julie, but about Julie. It's a very sincere one. So when you 
come to these conclusions mm-hmm. and and ask these questions, which are so right on intellectually and morally. Is there a voice in you thinking, boy, I wouldn't have asked this stuff four years ago? You know, on this subject of abortion, I used to, to answer your question first, I don't know if I would have considered these things four years ago. The one that haunts me is abortion because I was so pro-choice for a lot of my life. And I really thought that it was just awful to deny a woman to have well, an abortion. I started out pro-choice. I know, but and, but and I think a lot of people do. But it what worries me is that when I was younger, it didn't even occur to me the arguments about the preciousness of the fetus's yeah, life. Yeah, that's right. And I that's agree. what haunts, because I think back to my old self and oh, the questions. And those who made it were considered kooks. Yes. And that's what really, that, I have to say that haunts me about me because I know that mm. I'm a good person and I know that I, you know, I know think you're that a good every, person thank too, you. by the way. Thank you. Uh, maybe after this episode, some people won't think so. <laughs> we have, I said, I, progressive Jews I'm upset at. I was afraid of a, a Muslim guy on the tube. The abortion thing isn't a big issue. I'm definitely going to get some flack for this episode. But anyway, thank you for saying I'm a good person. But I, I look back and I go, how did it not occur to me? You know? It's so, I, how, I feel the exact same. That, it's so, it's yes. so morally horrible that that i just had this like one-sighted view of a woman has a right to abort anyone who's denying her that hates women and is a medieval bigot i never considered the preciousness of of the life and and right that's exactly right but that's that's really bad yeah it's very hard and and the lockdowns and COVID made it clearer than ever, at least within an American context. It's very hard not to think like a sheep. Oh, I'll give you another example of something that haunts me about my old self and the way that I used to think. I used to when remember in 2016 when Trump was when when Trump was running and he was talking about the border wall and the left went nuts over a border wall. Right. I was one of those people who thought that it was horrible to build a border wall. Oh, well, all right. I'm happy I asked my no, question. No, I, I I remember thinking. So this is not the same Julie. No, it's not. But but again, to use the same word, it haunts me about my old self because mm-hmm. I know what, not to what make. What did I miss? What did I miss? And I know that I was one of the better ones. I know that I was more rational and more mm-hmm. morally attuned than than a lot of other people. And I'm not I'm not saying that to sound supercilious. It's just true. And so I went even the fact that I was again more rational, more morally kind of aware than than others. I still fell for this stuff. I mean, I remember thinking it is so horrible to deny these immigrants coming here. It is so horrible to build a wall. Who would do that? Who, who, why would you deny these, these people fleeing persecution the right to come into this country? It, it didn't even occur to me. Okay, you know what, Julie? doesn't mean that you shouldn't have sympathy for those individuals, but you can't run a country if you don't have borders. That didn't occur to my peewee head, my peewee brain. Wow. That's why you didn't enter academia. Well, yeah, that's true. I entered it in the sense I went to college, but not as a profession. 
but that's that's really a bad sign that that it, that the conservative arguments don't even occur to people. The first time it occurred to me was watching PragerU videos. I went, oh, you're right. You do need a border to have a country. <laughs> like, oh my God. What? You said you're well on your way to white supremacy. <laughs> I know. I know. But, to, but it shows what a failing of American education and just the, the, the contamination of thought that something so obvious wouldn't even occur to me. Gaza approves the need for a good wall. Oh, well, it's so funny because I remember what a big deal it was in 2016 that Trump dared to say that he would build a border wall. But now Biden's doing it and everyone's fine. Of course. Everyone's fine with it. And President Obama, when he was a senator, Chuck Schumer, when he was a senator, and well, he's still a senator, but in Hillary Clinton, when she was a senator, all voted for a border wall in 2006. Talking about Schumer, I, I don't know the answer to my own question, but I know I have to read up on Amy Schumer. Are you familiar with what's going on? No. Oh, there's a lot of controversy. I think she, I, this is purely conjecture, uh, but something to the effect, I think she's come out for Israel and has annoyed vast numbers of her friends. But I may get it. I may oh. have the story completely wrong. Maybe it's the opposite. But I think that that's, that's the way it, it This notion of I've lost my friends, I, I, the ease with which you can lose a left-wing friend, you just have to take one position and they're gone. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're for Israel? I'm out of your life. Oh, you, you, uh, you're for a border wall? You're out of my life. Oh, you don't think kids should be given hormone blockers? You're out of my life. And it's only on one side. Only, it's only on one side. That's correct. So my dear friend who texted you recently, you know her, I'll, I won't say her name, but she she's my one of my best friends from high school, and she has been telling me that she's been posting on social media in support of Israel. She's Jewish. And there are all of these girls from my high school who have written messages, um, like really mean messages to her or unfollowed and blocked her on Instagram for posting pro-Israel stuff. I'm so used to it because all these people from my high school hate me. So that, but I've been used to that for a while. But my friend, she's like the sweetest, most non-political person. And she was posting pro-Israel stuff and done. People at my high school just wash their hands of her. This wokeism, this rancid cultural moral confusion, I think is really pathological. I honestly think there is mental illness doused in there. If someone is so brainwashed as to think that they're that saying there are only two genders is bigoted. If someone is so brainwashed as to cancel a friend that they've had for their entire life because that friend supports a border wall, that isn't just like radical left wing. I honest to God think that is like a, a pathology. I use that is sick. a mental illness. I, I rarely use sick as a, as a substitute for evil. Because... Right. Oh, no, no, really no, 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 no. I'm about to agree with you. No, but that's a really interesting point. Oh, oh, I've made it for... That's for, a very yeah, good oh, point. Oh, oh, well, what... We excuse evil by saying they're sick. Oh, yes. Yep. Sick was not used gener- for gener- until the 60s. Right. It was not a euphemism for evil. Evil was evil. Whether you were sick or not, it was evil. Mm. Uh, having, but, but ironically, while that is a really important point, agreed... Mm-hmm. I'm making the almost the opposite point. 
I do believe that there is sickness at the heart of leftism. It is not just evil that you you can't see what's wrong with a man who says he's a woman competing in women's sports. If you can't see that, it transcends the collapse of your conscience. It is the collapse of your mental faculties. Yes. It is It is as self-evident as I, I, I can't ride a horse while uh, in a track meet against runners. Yes. No, it, it really is. It's, it is, I'll give this example, and I think Candace Owens said it. There are mentally ill people who think that they are, her, the example she gave was the chief of an Indian tribe, or like who think they are Jesus or think they are Gandhi. Do you support them in thinking that they're Gandhi or Jesus? Do you affirm the fact like, yes, you are Jesus when they're clearly not Jesus? What Candace says is when you are abiding by other people's pronouns when they are clearly not that gender, you are in effect supporting their mental illness. And that is not compassionate. What you need to be you doing... You can't even say it's mental illness, even though it's in the DSM-4. Yes, DSM-4 and DSM-5 as gender okay, dysphoria. they're up to five, yeah. Yes, they're up to five, yes. So if you think you're the opposite sex, you're normal. You want a killer Black Friday deal? How about a free Moto G 5G phone from Pure Talk? No gimmicks, no trade-in necessary. Just sign up for Pure Talk's Unlimited Talk, Unlimited Text, and 15-gig data plan for just 35 bucks, and get the Moto G 5G phone for free. But you need to move fast because these phones will be gone by the end of the month. So if your current phone is on life support, upgrade for free with Pure Talk. Enjoy two-day battery life, a quad pixel camera, and a whole lot more. Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword Dennis Prager to speak with Pure Talk's U.S. customer service team. They make switching so easy and will make sure you get your new phone. Remember, Pure Talk gives you America's most dependable 5G network at half the price. Dial pound 250 and say keyword Dennis Prager to claim your free Moto G 5G phone with qualifying plan from Pure Talk. So if you think you're the opposite sex, you're normal. I mean, by the way, it's not an insult. If I say somebody uh, has bipolar disorder, am I insulting them? No. Uh, My my heart goes out to them. It's actually, it is... It's, I think it's being compassionate to say these people are clearly really mentally suffering. And the point that Candace is making, which is bold, and I, I take it, is that you're, you think you're being compassionate by abiding by pronouns. And by the way, I'm speaking as someone who, who does abide by pronouns usually. I get conflicted about it nowadays, but in college when someone you know, was asking me to use pronouns that were different from what, I, what they looked like, I, I wasn't going to be... Well, you actually it. had that? Dennis. Of no, no, course. I'm not being cute. All the time. All the time. Oh, yeah. I so had... someone would look like a man? Yeah. And say, use she when you refer well, they to would, me? Well, they would look like a man, but then, you know, it would, it was, they would dress like a woman and, and grow out their hair. and. See, my, my answer, in 98% of cases, maybe 99, mm-hmm. we... We assume someone is a man or a woman. Right. We have every right to assume that. Right. In 1% of the cases, there are times 
when I would say to my wife, we're at a restaurant, you know, I, I must admit, I, I don't know if it's a he or she, the waiter. Right. Okay, fine, that happens. So where I can't tell, mm-hmm. and the the uh, it, there's a badge and it says Maria, then I'll say she. Mm-hmm. If it started out as Marvin, right. it's none of my business. Right. I have no issue. But if you have a beard and you wear a dress, I am not calling you she. Mm. See, and, and, and Candace's point is you... You are affirming their mental illness instead of by you think you're being compassionate, but it's actually really sad what you're doing. You're making them go in deeper to their mental illness. And look, obviously, it wouldn't be your place to pull someone aside and go, hey, I think you're mentally ill. You know, like, obviously, there's there are lines. We're not advocating that. No one is advocating well, well, a that. Therapist that. Well, a therapist should say that. Well, of course, a therapist should. But I'm saying, you know, you just in the classroom or something. But anyway, the, the whole point, we got off on the transgender issue, but the whole point is about there, there are these pathological components, I, I think, of leftism. Right, that sick is, is not the – is as applicable often as evil. Yes. And, and these individuals are just not seeing reality. I mean, if they think that conserv- like conservatives are white supremacists, to your point, that is as – and, okay, I'm putting aside like the the fringe like 001 percent of people who say that they're conservative and they're you know neo Nazis. Okay, I'm putting those aside. I'm saying someone like you, if they think that you, Dennis Prager, are a white supremacist as you have been called on the internet ad nauseum. That is as that reflects a confusion about reality that is on par of saying that a circle is a square, or that. Right. The sun is the moon. I mean, re- really, that is what it is about. And and so I think we, we need to acknowledge that, that that a lot of this is, I mean, yes, it's evil, but th- there there is a sick pathological component to this. We are affirming people's delusions. That, that's a very important point. Why, why is it a favor? Well, you why are- do you think you're doing them a favor? And also these individuals, I think, really have emotional regulation problems because I had some high school girls, as you know, my old peers from high school, comment on my Instagram saying that I was evil. Uh, They use that word, evil, mentally ill. And what was the other one? They said like I was um, like harming minorities or spreading misinformation about minorities. They were so angry at me. For a vi- like these videos, which I don't think are particularly controversial, but even if they are controversial, if you're 23 years old and you are like exploding on the internet and like convulsing be- in the presence of a conservative, you have emotional regulation problems. It's not just that you're left wing. It's not just that you're a Democrat and you're, you know, very much in the ideology. You seriously have a pathology for which you may need medication and you definitely need therapy. That, that is a sickness. If people are triggered by, you know, Donald, a conservative speaker on their campus, they need to go to the hospital. I'm not kidding. They do. I, I, they I need to it. go to the hospital. We're like, we're, we're taught. Oh, and these, these, these left-wing students, they've been contaminated by this brainwash. No, you need meds. That is an issue. That's right. Am I, I wrong, Sean? We don't we don't flip out I'm when Joe wrong. Biden shows up. 
I know it's it's actually like I, I always I ask I always ask people on the left how come we don't have the say I hate Joe Biden as much as you hate Donald Trump I don't go crazy I would I in fact if he entered the room I would stand up and shake his hand because he's the president of the United States but I hate his guts I have utter contempt for him I think he's an infinitely greater crook and liar than Donald Trump totally and I think he's damaged this country perhaps for the for generations nevertheless I don't go crazy. No, and I, if he came to my campus, I probably, I'm not even sure I would demonstrate. There, I'm laughing. Let alone shout him down. Yes, because you're mentally healthy. Look, even, th- this is, if there were a Nazi, like an avowed, what was the guy, David Duke, that yeah. ran the Ku Klux Klan, if he showed up on my college campus, okay, or if he, if he I encountered him on the street, would I feel inside a profound amount of hatred? What may I say? Would I say to him, "You are scum"? Yes, I would. Like in other words, would I have an emotional reaction? Absolutely. But I would be able to control my emotions, yeah. even in the presence of a Nazi, the epitome of evil scum. And so, when you see these college students, and I was laughing a few seconds ago because I was imagining this, there is this video. I'm sure you're aware. Maybe you were even there of Charlie Kirk on some college campus, and he's literally walking by these leftists who are screaming and shaking like they're having a panic attack that I wouldn't even scream and shake in the presence of a Nazi. Right. Because I'm emotionally regulated. When we see videos of that, again, we're not, I know I've hammered it home a million times, but we are not just looking at leftists. We are looking at people who are seriously mentally ill. If you are in, in the presence of Charlie Kirk, you are shaking. That's a problem. I'll tell Charlie you said that. I agree. <laughs> or maybe I'll tell him. No, no it's, so, it's, so, um, it's so clear. Because it's not coming from ideology. It's coming from pathology. Yes. That, that I, I realized this in graduate school. I remember the day that I, I did, oddly enough, that most views people hold do not emanate from thought through ideals. They emanate from psychology. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it's sad, but it's true. And we think of politics in the realm of psychology as, as different. But no, we nowadays people people's political positions and the way that they deal with politics is a reflection of their psychological state. In most cases. Trump derangement right. syndrome. Which I never used in four years of his whole presidency, and now I believe it exists. Yes. When you abandon reason because of the letters T-R-U-M-P, it's a syndrome. I I have come to believe that. It doesn't make sense. So I know a woman, I mean, I know many people with Trump derangement syndrome, but I know a woman who's in her 60s, and she has... She calls herself a conservative, but she has the worst Trump derangement syndrome I've ever seen. Like, literally cannot hear T-R-U-M-P said. Like, if if she even hears the word, she'll be like, I can't deal with this. Oh, my gosh. And I really have studied her and others with Trump derangement syndrome, but especially her. And I've come up with this preliminary hypothesis, which could be totally wrong. But I think the the people who most despise Donald Trump are really dissatisfied with things in their own li- lives. They're and they're angry at specific people who they don't feel comfortable 
confronting. confronting. And so then they they projected onto Donald Trump because he's the easiest person to criticize and to get angry at. And so specifically with this woman, she has some children who are have caused her and continue to cause her some really bad problems, just unruly adult children. Just And she um, – I think she is so angry at her children. I think she is so angry that her kids haven't turned out the way that she thought they would. But she can't go out in society and say – into her friends and you know her colleagues at work i am so angry that my child did this or did that so she channels it towards trump just wanted to offer that maybe well look maybe that's part of what it is that's that's why i say every happiness hour by on my radio show the happy make the world better the unhappy make it worse and that that's a fact if everybody were happy you would have no hamas you would have no leftists, you would have liberals, you'd have conservatives, you'd have no leftists, you'd have no Nazis. I mean, isn't happy Nazi sort of an oxymoron? Happy Ku Klux Klan right. member. Ha- happy Hamas. I mean, you just imagine yes. this is a joy-filled life, loving their fellow human being. Hmm. So we now. don't have a, a ton of time. So the uh, what we'll do is next time, I really want to get your impressions of... We didn't share it with our audience, uh, our impressions of the London conference? No, this is the first time we're filming since then. Holy, that's right. I have been on a plane with Dennis Prager, everyone. First time. Can confirm he is exactly the same person on a plane as he is off a plane. You're working, you're chatting with people, especially the flight attendants, and uh, you're looking out the window at... The well, countries were flying over. Only over Greenland. Oh, it was so it was When so you go great. L.A., Europe, you go the very northern route over the Arctic, and it's rare you get to see Greenland. You're either flying at night or you're flying over cloud cover. This was daytime and no clouds. It was magnificent. It was like seeing a white Grand Canyon. That's a really good way to put it. It was. Dennis came and got me and said, you have to see this. And I was not skeptical, but I thought, oh, it's going to be nice. But it was, it, yeah, it was gorgeous. It was awesome. What, what, oh. Sean is a When was the last time you were in coach? Yeah. He's 6'4". Give him a break. Thank you. Give me a break. I'm 6'4". I don't remember the last time I was in coach. I, I don't. By the way, I admit, by the way. I remember the, the last way, time yeah, I was in coach. Right, last week. Last week. You, but, but you know, I will, uh, I, what did I want to say? That I am asked all the time, how do you do so much? How do you travel so much? Which is almost every week of the year. And I go, if you went first class, you could travel a lot too. Oh, it's so oh, it's a game changer. <laughs> of course it's a game changer. I have to tell you, I consider myself to be a down to earth person. I'm a total snob when it comes to air travel. I think coach is abusive. Well <laughs> it really is. Do. They have internationally narrowed, they have especially the seats considerably, which is a very by the way, that's a very interesting issue. You don't know my history with this i was not against the deregulation of i the do airlines. know your history you know why huh. we talked about it on d and j oh that ends that 
Why is he cracking up, Redbeard? Because he knows. He remembers, too. We had a whole discussion about planes. All right, so that's another example. I think it was last week. The non-regulated airline is going to make the seat as tight as possible. Oh, it's horrible. To maximize the number of people it could sell tickets to. And we had this discussion on the air, but it's worth repeating that the, that the people on planes are so weird these days. That's part of the reason, though. If you All the experiments so with packing people into... Uh, but it, the whole thing's a little depressing because... As I told you, look, the America I grew up in is so different. People dressed up to go on airplanes. Today, they're, they're, they're in, you know, T-shirts and shorts. So in, I'll end with this. My favorite book, as you in the audience know, is Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte. And there was this scene where Jane was working with poor children in a school. And she – and they, they didn't want to – they didn't want to learn. They didn't, they didn't want to participate and Jane had this line where she said, if you treat someone with dignity, they will start to see themselves as more dignified. And so Jane, you know, unlike the previous teachers, really taught, treated every single one of these children with dignity. And then they started having more motivation to show up and do well and work hard, etc. To relate it to the plain thing, when you... Don't treat people with dignity. When you pack them in like sardines and the seats have crumbs on them and there's the food is terrible if you even get it. And the bathroom then then people are going to start behaving in undignified ways. And that's why we we see people being sloppy cuz I kind of get it. You're on a plane and you're like, "Well, it's so bad anyway. I might as well wear, you know, sweatpants and eat my burger with my ketchup dripping down." I bet you if the plane seats were cleaner, if they were more spread out, if you felt more like you were having a luxurious travel experience, you would see a lot more people behaving politely. Yeah, you don't normally get uh, act up, acting up in in first class no. or business class. No, because people feel elevated, they feel yes, taken care yes. of, and so in turn they re- very, they act appropriately. It's a very valid point. Just read Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte. It's filled with those gems. Or watch Dennis and Julie. Tell them how to reach us. No, you do. This is how you reach us. By listening to what Julie is about to say. Oh, my gosh. For the sake of time. That's right. I won't keep it going. You can reach me at julie at julie-hartman.com, and I forward many of the notes to Dennis, and we love reading them. Shout out to a listener in, what was it, Malaysia, right, Who, who wrote to us. I mean, shout out to all of you, but... It was cool to get one from Malaysia, of all places. You can follow me at Julie R. Hartman on Instagram and Twitter. And you can follow Dennis on Instagram at the Dennis Prager. And you can catch Dennis and Julie every Mondays, every Monday, on this channel at 1 o'clock Pacific, 4 o'clock Eastern. Shalom. Bye. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.